Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. I am Mike Wizalavari, also known as Five Man Eleven, and it is my pleasure to formally introduce you to Austin Zetsman, also known as Cookie Monster FL. How are you doing on this? I don't know. What, what what's, what's the weather like over there? Is it cold? Is it warm? It's it's it's, it's scary. It's scary in Wisconsin, isn't it? Uh, Florida. Uh, I almost oh. got killed by a hurricane. Oh yeah, uh, damn. Like, yep. Oh yeah, dude. So it's uh no 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 we um. I had a little scare, was trying to drive home, and couldn't find gas because everybody sold out because it's Tampa. This is like Friday, by the way. Like we, uh, Anybody that's not in, like has not lived in Florida long enough to be in a hurricane season, you, you just wait. You wait it out a little bit. Like, yes, it's scary to be in long lines on a highway trying to get out of the area. But like if that's where you're at, yeah, it's unfortunate. But mm. you have to wait for these things. And unfortunately, the way that it all happened, it didn't even, it didn't even get us. I think we got... In total, like ten minutes of rain for the, the entire hurricane, but oh. uh, we sold out of like water everywhere. Gas was out, so yeah, dude, I dodged a hurricane. How about you? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't have anything. I, I, just, I don't, no, I don't have anything. I'm, I'm glad you're alive. Well, apparently he's not alive. Apparently he's dead. <laughs> I died. I died. <laughs> uh, yeah. Before um, before we start properly, yeah. I should I should make mention that um, both of us are a little sick. So if you hear us coughing in the background, uh, it's it's yeah we're both a little sick. Uh, so we're gonna be we're gonna be husky boy endurance chat today, and we are trying to catch up on everything that's been happening in the states for IMSA because we haven't talked about IMSA for literally three months, and we've kind of missed a lot. So we we, we like should talk about rounds. some IMSA. Yeah, literally <laughs> six rounds. The last event we talked about for IMSA was the Mid Ohio race, and that was the episode where my computer decided to shut down on us about seven or eight times. So it's been that long, uh, and part of that has been, of course, you know, the fact that we've had all the stuff that we've done around Le Mans and the Nurburgring, and then Spa Francorchamps, and you know, we've just been so committed to those three twenty-four hour races that have been back to back to back to back to back, and then the whole thing with the WEC season coming along and all that sort of stuff. So we, yeah, we've been a little slack on IMSA, but we're back and we're gonna catch up. All of the IMSA action in one go. So prepare your IMSA holes, ladies and gentlemen, because this is like going to be a professionals, time. Like the professionals we are. I just wanted to put that in there. I mean, again, if if any other team would be tackling such a hurdle that is not <laughs> covering a series <laughs> for three months, um, they would do it in chunks. But we feel, as professional team that we are, all of it immediately and just try to bugger the hell out of it so here we go what's the worst that could happen right nothing nothing Ex- will nothing e- bad can happen exactly exactly this is what this is what you're able to get away with when you're doing an amateur podcast ladies and gentlemen this is what you can do um so we're gonna start <laughs> from we'll start from the top and the the first round that we're gonna get through is insert detroit now insert detroit it's it's kind of one of those kind of transient races no it doesn't really get that much attention because it's you know supporting the IndyCar and uh because of the IMSA no sorry the Detroit track the Belle Isle track it just ends up like a lot of a lot of caution a lot of safety car and that's basically what we had I didn't really enjoy the Detroit race that's just me um because about half of it was under yellow flag In yeah the end, yellow flags yeah. tend to do that yeah street circuits tend to do that IMSA tends to do that really <laughs> well, I was going to say, did you enjoy Long Beach? Because this this feels like a systemic problem with you and street courses. Uh, 
I'd say it isn't a systemic problem with me in street courses because I'll happily watch a supercars race at a street circuit like Gold Coast or Adelaide, or I'll happily watch maybe not F1 at Monaco. But you know, you know, it's 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 not so much a street circuit problem; it's a IMSA yellow flag sequence at a street circuit sort of problem for me. Like uh, Long Beach. I don't think Long Beach is as difficult a track as Detroit either, so that makes it uh, the the yellow flag stuff. <coughs> Pardon me. You know, except for the fact that when they have like the entire GTD field and everyone just wants to spear into each other, that that gets annoying. But nah, for me, nah. I, I think Detroit is a is a little bit a little bit more difficult track, and because of the the weather that they had over that weekend as well it just seemed that everyone's just kind of lost their he- heads a bit a lot of a lot of the the a lot of the yellow flag incidents were car to car contact uh so yeah that's that's my thing so it's not yeah, a it's, it's it's not a street circuit thing it's an imsa thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's definitely um uh street circuits require a a, a caliber of of level of talent sometimes and uh when you have a bunch of amateur drivers, especially some bronze-rated drivers, yeah. uh, that can be lacking. Especially at Detroit, it's uh, bumpy. Uh, it's pretty technical, I'd say. I mean, like, uh, not to say Long Beach isn't, but I feel like Long Beach has uh, some of the more technical parts are more flowy, if that makes sense. Or yeah. that the there's wider quarters. Detroit really doesn't allow for any any room for mistakes. So and you yeah. see, that, you saw that a lot in that race. Yeah, and the more the more technical parts of Long Beach, you know, the areas let's say around the fountain and that uh, first half of the circuit or the the hairpin on the other side, they are very slow speed. So unless you get them absolutely wrong, you're going to be able to keep it out of the wall. Whereas at Detroit, you know, you've got that like internal three sweeper with just tire wall on the outside. So if you get, you nick a curb in there, if you hit a bump wrong, it's just, bam, you're in the wall. So yeah, it's it, it was one of those things. But <clears throat> pardon me again, <clears throat> that's going to be a, a consistent feature <coughs> of this podcast. Oh, man. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Hang on, let me just give me a sec. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, as uh, Blood changes his, his motor oil here, real quick. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I mean Detroit. Detroit was all right. I, I thought. Um, I mean, DPIs clearly had pace to catch up to the GTDs pretty, uh, and 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 for that to factor in a little bit was was okay. I don't know. Yeah, I thought. I've seen better Detroit races, but I'm I'm also really not a fan of Belle Isle. Uh, yeah. If that's a if that's a statement I can make, as much as we support racing there, yeah, I'm just not a fan of the track. So yeah, <laughs> you're not going to get a whole lot of sympathy from me. Yeah, fair or, enough. Uh, you will get sympathy from me. Uh, you know that that it, it's a eh. Yeah, it's a solid air. Um, at the end of the day, it was an accurate, uh, accurate win. I think they took it pretty comfortably in the end. I mean, the results show that it was less than a second gap between them and the the wheel and engineering number thirty one. But you know, I it didn't feel. I didn't ever feel that it was in doubt. Uh, watching the Acura guys, they they seemed to just have the the run of the track, and that was also due to a pretty late uh, FCY. I think it was. Yeah, 20 minutes left in the race that there was an FCY. So, yeah, Acura cleaned up. And then in the GTD category, it was Lexus and, uh, yeah, Lexus 1-3 with the Park Place car in between them. So, that was Belle Isle, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I now- mean, I, the only notable thing I'll say from that is, after we recap, note, like, who was giving the Acura fits, you know, that kind of is the last time we've really seen a massive amount of 
space. Probably? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get we'll to probably that. get in that more later. We'll but, get to uh, that. Yeah. yeah, we will get to that later. Next up on the list is the Watkins Glen six hours sail on six hours of the Glen. Now, what we're going to do with this section is we're just going to talk. Uh, about these events in clumps. So we're not going to go, you know, we're, we're not going to go just talking about Watkins Glen and then just talking about the next race, blah, blah, blah. We'll just talk about things in clumps, you know, the kind of the way it makes sense. And the biggest thing to come from the Watkins Glen race, which, by the way, actually was pretty interesting. I was actually enjoying Watkins Glen for the most part. But the big thing was that finally, 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 Mazda won a race. Woo! It only took them literally as long as I've been watching sport cars to for them to win a race in IMSA. It's the real reason why we decided not to make uh, any any episodes until now is that I don't I don't think they can have that win taken away. I don't think they can be penalized now. I think everything <laughs> is now official. We, yeah, we just have to wait so, for everything to be ratified. Yeah. <laughs> this is the Yost Active party. Yeah. So, uh, yep. yep. Yost Active. Uh, I mean, huge, huge win. Huge win for them. Yeah. And it's not just the the fact that they finally won a race it's that they were won two they dominated that race they were up the front the entirety of the six hours and even a broken end plate on the uh the rear decking sorry broken end plate in the rear wing and the engine cover on the rear decking peeling off of the number 55 car weren't enough for them to to lose that position and Given the history that they have in IMSA, given their history with speed source as well, uh, where they got into race-winning positions and then promptly threw them away, their history last year where they got into race-winning positions and then something would break on the car or they'd make a dive in traffic and spin out, it's it's great for them to finally get the monkey off the back. And how much of a of a relief is it for, for the Mazda guys to, to finally get that win under their belt? Well, for Dunan especially, I mean, he's been through everything with that program, and I mean, he's pretty much experienced as as many lows as you possibly can, and I mean, he's had to probably double down almost, and not not only kind of tell Mazda themselves, "Hey, look, we're we're still capable of winning," you know, when mm. we've essentially proven that we can't, um, but we also want more investment and we want more. Um, you know, more of a shot, more of a competitive shot, especially with Yost, and especially with all of the, like, uh, the, the paddock changes they've made, um, a lot of the styling choices mm. for, like, even their trailers and their haulers, that kind of stuff, their merchandise has got a, got a overhaul, too. So, I mean, they've kind of embraced, like, this avenue of marketing, um, even when they haven't experienced any of the highs at all. So, mm. finally, I guess, for them to get over the hump, not only for the team, but just as a brand. I mean, it's been, you know, it's been such a long time coming. And for them to win an NEC race, too, is really special, I think, for their their opener. Because, I mean, it's not a sprint race. Um, it's the shortest of the NEC rounds, but it's still an NEC round, and it, it counts. So Yep, definitely. It absolutely counts. So, yeah, it's it, it's a huge, huge deal for, for Mazda. Um, we've got, actually, we've got Sol in the chat, and he's just made the mention that uh, it's the first win for Mazda in a sports car category since before I was even born. So, <laughs> that's how long it's been for Mazda. And, I mean, to be fair, uh, part of that is them not competing in various sports car categories in that time. But still, that's that's a long time to go without a win. That's like Toyota's at Le Mans levels of going without a win uh, mm. for the Mazda team. Wow. Yeah. You're, you're, you're not wrong, bud. No, I had to get wrong. that in there. 
Oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Go, yep. uh, go, carry on, carry on. <laughs> no problems. Um, but since then, <laughs> since since they race at Watkins Glen, uh, they've actually gone on to win the next three in a row. Well, sorry, including Watkins Glen, three in a row. They took home the win at CTMP, and then again at Road America. So, is it the question I want to pose? Then is it? Finally getting that pressure release of having one win means we can go and win more and then just going out and winning more. Or do they have they gotten a little bit of favor from the IMSA balance of performance? It's BOP, so yeah, I, I can probably argue five minutes out of soapbox on either side of the debate at this point with BOP. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bunch of BOP, uh, but it's also a bunch of Yoast, it's a bunch of Mazda, and it's a bunch of those drivers. Um, they would have won a lot sooner had those drivers not made mistakes. And you really haven't seen a ton of mistakes. I mean, you've seen some errors, but those haven't been costly errors, which have always seemed to cost that team. So I just think it's a combination of a bunch of factors. And unfortunately, BOP is probably going to take the brunt of the, you know, quote unquote blame for Mazda, I guess, winning three in a row. And I I was going to make the comment too before you did. Um, look how quickly it turned into like you know a Mazda BOP or like a BOP issue they haven't won anything ever like the honeymoon essentially lasted what two to three races and now we're talking about (laughs) to be honest it lasted it it lasted that Watkins Glen race even during the Watkins Glen race there were people saying oh it Mazda being gifted quality balance performance Um, and to go back to your point about what we were talking about at Detroit where it was you know Acura versus Cadillac where have the caddies gone? Yeah, they've kind of disappeared. As of this podcast recording, I think they've got a BOP um, buff, but I don't know how much for the remaining rounds. I, you know, again, it's it's and this has been a little bit of a issue because they have been transparent, sort of, in the past with this BOP stuff. I don't know where how much of this is a projection of the differences in tracks and how much of this is a difference in actual ultimate pace that they're trying to balance. And so I know the GTLM class, that's been a issue of trying to explain that aspect of it. Cause I'm sure that's 100% the reason why we're seeing a lot of those changes in uh, BOP with GTLM. But I think that's the same thing with DPI and that we're just, you know, the Cadillacs need this buff anyway, but they gave a little bit more, I think. So to, be, we'll see. to be fair to the series, the tracks that we have gone to in the recent times, you know, Watkins Glen, CTMP, and even Road America to an extent, they are all very much uh, what I'd call the prototype style of tracks. So where it's important to keep the car flowing through the sections, keeping the momentum up, making sure that the aerodynamic efficiency is very high. It's it's a lot less of what you'd say maybe a Long Beach or a Detroit is, where it's a bit more point and shoot. You want to get the car rotated, shoot it out of the corners, get the acceleration going, and you know really have a, a twitchy sort of car that enables you to get around slow corners effectively. The ones that are in the middle of the IMSA season are all very much flow and style and momentum type tracks and maybe the Mazda platform maybe that Riley base is just better for that sort of of track um because oh, for sure yeah because last year remember we saw uh, P2s take victories at Watkins Glen at CTMP at uh Road America so it might just be that the Mazda is the most prototype of the DP i cars I mean, if you want to take it that far, we can go even further and go look at the base P2 chassis. I mean, the Mazda essentially is a completely heavily modified 
Multimatic Riley, you know, Mark three thirty or whatever that is. Um, fun so fact. That's fun yeah. fact. Uh, the Yoast team now own all of the LMP two Rileys. Yeah. Yep. So that's that's there goes one manufacturer. Bye. I Bye-bye. mean, were the Riley Gina, ever really effective in LMP two? I, you know, I, I mean, we're all I mean, like it feels so long ago that we were just like that we have the discussion like in 2015, 2016, but like. I don't know. I at the time Riley was a competent. I mean, they were what they they built the uh what was it the Viper chassis, didn't they? Or were, were they servicing the Viper chassis? They were doing it something. So you're like, okay, well, they seem like they know what they're doing. Throw them at a manufacturer, an LMP2. I don't care. Would have loved to see Dome. Would have mm. loved to see uh, Janetta. You know, uh, yeah, well, Janetta will get their chance now. So thank God that's going to get rectified. But yep. no, I mean that. I think also if you look at that too. Uh, the Delara chassis seems to be really, really good. It's very slippery, but it's mid-speed corners. I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's I can't speak for its performance based on the Reka, but clearly that it, one is preferred in the other series where it's yeah. it's base LMP2 chassis. So, yeah, I think there's a little a lot of it, but I just think too, though, man. I mean, we're we're talking about Penske, who literally will not stop dominating IndyCar. They are <laughs> or, they are or very good now. Or V8 supercars in, super, in Australia. Yeah. Are, are they really good down there? And oh, how long dude, did it take them to get good? It, it's been ridiculous. So we've kind of put a hiatus on supercars chat because myself and uh, Kiwi Chris have been, uh, well, he's been obnoxiously busy. So we kind of had to take the load off him a bit. But this series, this season has basically just been a Penske domination uh, to the point where Scott McLaughlin, the dri- one of the drivers for Penske DJR, he has he's equaled the record of race wins in a season, and there is still, oh, let me just do some quick maths here, eight or nine races left in this season. So wow. it's just been it's just been utter dominance, and it has been, I think, three seasons, three full seasons since Penske bought in to the team. Hang on, so there was this season, last season, the season before that, and then. So, sorry, it's been five years, uh, and they've been a championship contender for the last three. And then this year, they've just blown everyone away. So, it's going to, yeah, it's just been ridiculous. Man, I mean, so you take that that caliber, and which I don't even need to speak for their NASCAR record, which they're they're right in the, t- uh, they've been a title contender since 2012, 2011, when they won, you know. Mm. So, I again, like, we talk about them, and then we obviously talk about Legendary Yost and all of that. I mean, this is just... Like the bottom line too is just like the Cadillac is just getting out out manhandled by these two teams, these two factory teams, and um, you know, I I I wonder at what you know where behind the scenes the R and D wars are at with them and how much they're spending and how much they're getting back in return and you know how much investment Cadillac and Delara are equally putting into this versus you know the other two outfits. So we'll see. I mean, the I think Petite should favor. Well, they used to favor the. Uh, Cadillacs, but I have a feeling Mazas are going to be yep, really, really quick there. Um, I think Laguna, we'll see Penske. Man, I, I I just don't see where Cadillacs do anything until Daytona again. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree. And, you know, it's a, it's a stark contrast to where we were in the first season of DPI two years ago, where um, Wayne Taylor won the first, what was it, six races in a row? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I mean, completely ran away. I mean, just, I mean, he didn't just run away from the championship. I mean, he literally got on the plane, went to another continent, and then hid the championship over there so no one could find it for five years. The man, I mean, that was in an, uh, that was a completely blown out of the water championship hunt. Hmm. And I mean, to go from there to here, where, yeah, they got a BOP break, but I mean, 
man, we, we, we have short memories if, if that isn't going to be the case, but I don't know. <laughs> I just, yeah. like I said, I don't see the Cadillacs winning again. Yeah, it's going to be rough. Uh, it's going to be rough. And this, this ties back into a discussion I want to have, I'll, I'll save it for a bit later, but on, <clears throat> pardon me again, uh, the DPI platform as a whole, we want to, I want to talk a bit about uh, the direction we've found ourselves in and the direction where it's going in the future. Um, because I think there are more problems under the surface once you stop looking at it at, at face value. If you take everything at face value, it looks pretty all right. But if you start delving into things a bit more, I think there is uh, we're on a we're on a trajectory where there's going to be more problems than we're going to expect. Um, we'll leave that one for now. Um, and I think now is a good chance to just have a bit of a chat about some of the big incidents we've seen over the past few races. So the first one that a lot of will come to a lot of people's minds is the incident between, well, it was just the, the Junkers car at um, Mosport where he's, uh, where it turned, or oh, let me just remember how Mosport works. I think it's turn two, turn, turn two. Yeah. The big mm. sweeping downhill left-hander. It looks like, now it's gonna be it's gonna uh, it's gonna be hard for me to remember exactly what happened because I haven't reviewed it immediately. But I think uh, there might have been traffic involved. And... I don't believe there was. I don't. I don't believe there was any traffic. I okay. think what happened was he snap oversteered. Yeah. Okay. And then he's gone far out into the outfield and made massive contact with the tire barrier, and it's uh, basically destroyed the car. Uh, gone basically underneath the tires as well and made contact with the back wall. So watching that race, it was a pretty breathtaking incident considering how deep the the car ended up in barriers. Uh, they red flagged the race, which I agree with, and then they took the time to repair the barriers for the race to continue. Now, that's the bit that I want to discuss about. Uh, the barrier repair, it didn't look to me... I mean, it's easy for me to say from the other side of the world, but it didn't look to me that they'd done a complete job in repairing the barriers for that, for that corner. What was your take on it? I never got a clean, I guess, look at the aftermath, and, and I only kind of heard a little bit about uh, uh, some issues or some complaints with the uh, amount of repair work done. Um, so I can't fully comment completely, but I mean, I have seen, so like people were commenting on the Pocono incident too with mm. IndyCar and kind of the extra, <laughs> the extra fencing they have, which they basically just like chicken wire, uh, twine wrapped and like zip tied up to yeah. kind of cover it. I'm going to be old school and be fine with it. Um, I, I, I don't have an issue as long as there's, you know, they have a some form of an engineer, somebody signing off on it. Not, I guess not signing off, but doing it to the best of your judgment. I mean, sure, if if a wall is completely broken, and yeah, we can't, we can't race again. But I mean, yes, I, I think we need to look at the way the tires barrier works in that corner um, and the mechanics kind of of how a car slides into it. But beyond that, I mean, if there was any damage to the bear and it was repaired sufficiently, especially because that that corner is just there t- for uh, to catch cars. It's not really there for spectator viewing. Mm. So um, any any extra debris that gets into the uh, outside the track is, I think, is fair at that point. Yeah. So, I, but again, I, I'm yeah. I'm much more old school. So <laughs> yeah. Look, I I guess I have a, a bit of a different view coming from a marshalling perspective, and you you do make a, a good point there that uh, there is 
that area of the track has no spectators behind it. There's nothing immediately behind it. So it's not a matter of uh, protecting what's behind the barrier. Um, I don't know. It just, it just doesn't sit right. Uh, it, it, at the time it didn't sit right with me. The, uh, the fact that they just kind of put the tires back there and said, Oh, that's good enough. Um, I, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a contrast between what's, for example, they do at Le Mans or at the Nürburgring, where they, if there is a damage to the barriers, they will take the section of the barriers out and then replace it with brand new, um, a brand new section, uh, and continue racing uh, around that under full course yellow or under a local slow zone. Yeah, I think it's, I guess it's a, a difference in philosophy. But to be fair to to the sanctioning body, you do have to be a long way off the track to make the wall at Big Bend, a long way off the track. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you know, fitting that we're talking about an accident here that happened when Manfred Michael Hawk was fatally killed at literally that corner in that wall uh, in 1985. So, ah, I did um, not know that. Yeah. So, I mean, he hit the barrier. The barrier was obviously much closer to the track, and uh, there was really no no tire wall or anything there. So, he pretty much hit concrete. That was one of the races where, or one of the accidents that was highlighted where they went from 956 to 962. I think that was... One of the last times 956 was used. I believe that was a 956 chassis. Anyway. 85. Yeah, yeah so, that, that'd be a 956. Yep. Yeah. So very interesting that, too, we're having this discussion at that same corner. But, I mean, yeah, if there's definitely... If the barrier looks like it's moved and it's given way, yeah, I think that should there should be done something done with that. And I also think, too, um, when we're looking at racetrack design, keeping the Marshall Post out off of corner exits... I mean, it would be really nice. I know it's going to be hard to do that because you still kind of, that's a good good angle for drivers to see. Yeah. You. But it's, I mean, well, you know, F1 Monza weekend, that, that was also pretty scary. There's been a lot of incidents with uh, Marshalls dodging some cars. That, yeah. Uh... Well, I, I guess it's one of, one of the things about, uh, about racing in general is that there is no safe space around the circuit. Like, you can put a Marshall post on corner entry, you can put it on corner exit, uh, and you cars will find a way to get to you. So, for example, I was working the Adelaide, uh, marshalling the Adelaide 500 this year, working at turn four, uh, and the Marshall post at turn four. For, for those who don't know the circuit, turn four is um, an uphill, very bum- bumpy braking zone into a ninety degree right hander, uh, and the Marshall post is basically in line with the apex on the outside wall. So you should be in a pretty safe spot. The cars are turning into the corner way before they ever reached you. But we had an incident in one of the support categories where a car got tagged under braking, speared across the track, and hit our post. And like you would never expect that, but that's just there is no safe space when you're next to a racetrack. Mm-hmm. So, so it's one of those it's one of those things where you have to allow a certain discretion for that. And yeah, Marshall post positioning is one of the hardest things about racetrack design. And I will a hundred percent back that up with uh, who, uh, against whoever says otherwise. Uh, yeah, designing a track with the Marshall post in mind is is something very hard to do. But but yeah, at the end of the day. The most important thing was no one was injured. The driver was extracted from the car safely uh, and the race was completed without further incident. So for, for those factors, I guess they did a good job. But yeah, it was it was kind of distressing to see the car basically reduced to its monocoque upside down in the tire wall, half exposed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, it looked kind of... There's just been... The 2019 has been insane for Rex this year, so yeah. 
There's I've I've seen a number of cars end up in a barrier wedge sideways or like flipped over or, or have like rolled because of that. I mean, I think Spa Twenty Four had a uh, had a Bentley roll after hitting the uh, tire barriers. It's just been oh, a geez. really weird, strange year for. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, and I think I think we'd be remiss to not uh, to not say that in light of the recent events as well at Spa Francorchamps um, that we should, oh, yeah. yeah we yeah, should that, that happened too. yeah we should just have a quick moment and say uh, pay a tribute to Antoine Hubert and uh, the other driver who's involved in that whose name escapes me at the moment who is also currently in intensive uh, Coria yes that one. But yes. he's, got, he's got two. He's got two names ahead of that. So, yes. yeah. But it's uh, racing it's, is dangerous. So. Yeah, racing is dangerous, and we've been shown that this year. Uh, it's been kind of terrifying. So, uh, yeah, I, I I don't have any anywhere further to take this discussion. Just beyond yeah, racing is dangerous and it's kind of scary. Yeah, it's not for it ain't, it's not for faint heart, man. Mm. So, and uh, as and, and I, that's I think that. We were talking about this just earlier, but I mean, yeah, it's you're never going to make it safe. So, I, I definitely think um, some of the safety aspects have been overstated, but some of them haven't been. And I, I definitely think that there were some that were on display um, throughout that weekend with all the wrecks that were going on, especially the last like month wrecks, especially mm. with the open wheel G, uh, Formula Two and Formula One. And Formula 3. That would be really good. So mm. I've been a Halo hater, and I mean, the Halo's done a good job. I hope they get a windscreen or something like that quick, because I just would rather see a roll bar. But they're, they're trying. But the, I think that is the ultimate display that, uh, hey, um, the, you will never, ever, ever be safe in this thing. So, But he would want us to keep going on, so that's what we're going to do. Yep. Uh, and as a completely... Continuing off the unrelated sidebar, the intro uh, package for the F2 race at Monza uh, was very tastefully done. Um, I can't exactly remember who uh, who was the the guy in charge of doing the intro, um, but they did a fantastic job of paying tribute to the incident that happened at Spa while also... Uh, reminding everyone why we do this and why uh why we enjoy racing why we compete in well we the collective we why it's important to us to keep going amen yeah do you want to keep going with this or do we want to talk about another incident or do we want to not talk about incidents for a little while um i mean i love uh motorsport crashes so uh i mean you, you do can talk to me about you have a little you, bit of a morbid curiosity about this okay we'll keep going with I we'll do. keep going with some some interesting incidents that need to be discussed the watkins Glen first lap incident over the bridge this is something that caused a fair amount of controversy in discussions because it was a or it was people will view it as a 50-50 sort of incident or some people might view it as a not 50-50 sort of incident so what i'm talking about is the first lap contact between the 912 Porsche and the number 3 Corvette which saw the Corvette make contact with the outside right wall in the middle of the bridge uh swing back across the track and take out the number 33 Riley Mercedes there's been a fair bit of a contra- controversy about this, uh, mostly due to the uh, the point of contact and the responsibility of the drivers through that section of the road. So, what was your take on the incident, Cookie? There was a racing incident. I don't know what the hubbub is about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, 
Corvette, I, I think because it's been a Corvette Porsche beef and because the Porsche drivers have, have been at the middle of like every controversy, I feel like in the last three years, um, that uh, Porsche drivers are just on a really short leaf, or a leash. I don't know why. I don't um, know why they'd be in a leaf. They're really light. They're that's why they're floating so fast. on the wind. Yeah, yeah that's, right? that's, that's, um, we've solved it. We've solved the, we've solved the problem, everyone. Yeah, we got to keep BOPing that the drivers are too light. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, I. I just think again, it was just Corvette being unlucky. I mean, again, that's a that's a risky move to sit there. You're yes, the Porsche is kind of obligated to give you a little bit of room, but it is a very very tight and technical area where you're trying to go max. Uh, you know, keep yep. the pedal on the floor, um, and it's opening lap too, so you're trying to maximize. So it's opening um, lap real- of a six hour race. Like guys, yeah. just calm your pants. Well, I mean, you can make the argument that you really can't anymore. I mean, if you're if the pace doesn't fall off essentially with most of the GT cars because they've been BOP'd to a you know performance window that matches each other very you know very similarly, yeah, okay. you do need to maximize your position at the first few laps if it's available to you. So, my personal take: it's a racing incident because both of them essentially didn't benefit from that from that contact. They raced really hard, and yes, the Corvette ended up worse off, but both of them essentially. Like he's not going to treat him with any more respect for a long time after hmm. that, so I think the repercussions of that are eventually going to hit them. But not not worth it, in my opinion, to to dole out any kind of like penalties uh, et over yeah penalties yeah. or assessments on that. I think it's just racing. Well, you, look, you say they're you know in track positions imperative, and, and that's true to an extent. Uh, it, especially a track like Watkins Glen, you do need to get into that track position. But again, it's a six-hour race. There's so much strategy permutations to play out. And in the end of the day, the final gap at the line was 0.452 of a second. So if you can't have the discretion to slot back into line at that part of the track on the first lap of a six-hour race, I think that poor choices were made at that point. Uh, and... I think you're right with the 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 Corvette Porsche sort of you know butting heads. Uh, it, it's been something that has been played up a bit in the in the media in the wider sports car media, um, and especially in light of the events at Le Mans as well, where one of the factory Corvette cars was involved in an incident with an amateur class Porsche uh, and was you know retired from the race due to the the damage. So it's 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 one of those things. The more it keeps happening, the more and more angst there's going to be between the two fan bases, and then the more stuff like this gets blown out of proportion. Because I agree with you, it was blown out of proportion. It was two guys fighting for the same piece of tarmac that they really shouldn't have been on the first lap of a race, and that's that's what happens sometimes. And I think the worst part about it is that the Riley got taken out. <laughs> the Riley was well, just yeah, a completely sure. innocent bystander, and all of a sudden he's in the wall. So I will. I'll slightly disagree. I I do think the the core guys have been a bit more how you say RG bargy. <laughs> okay, El- fair enough. Elbows up. I mean, I I remember Long Beach was it last year. Um, I remember some contact this year. The Porsche has, the Porsche drivers have gotten into some people, and there's been there's been some controversy that has definitely gone their way. Uh, but I yeah I, I I for for argument's sake and stuff like that I I don't think at all there should be anything of a penalty it's more just kind of bone like what are you doing guys that kind of stuff and that I, and again that'll, that'll come back if if it needs to I guess and, you know if people see seek the retribution out of a penalty 
I'm sh- I can assure you it will come back to those Porsche that Porsche team at some point. So, but it um, hasn't. No, I don't. I don't see any issue. It, well, it hasn't come back to them yet because in no. the last in the last few races we've had for the GT cars we've had. Oh, let me see. Uh, Watkins Glen, CTMP, uh, Lime Rock, which was a friggin' awesome race. We've got to talk more about some Lime Rock action. Road America and then VIR. Of that, they've won three of them. Uh, Watkins Glen, CTMP, and VIR. They could have won Lime Rock had it not been for some amazing driving by uh, Richard Westbrook and the the, uh, the Ford guys. Um, that was That was a really interesting race in terms of strategy. Um, and at Road America, they were kind of there, but not really there. So it hasn't come back to them yet. And they've been able to go on and pretty much clean out the, the last few rounds of the IMSA series. Is it, was it their turn to like, uh, we, we talked about BOP and DPI. Is it their turn for the BOP in, uh, GTLM to go their way? Or is it just, again, another matter of, Porsche being the car that's set up best for this swing of races in the middle of the season. Um, I think it's a lot of all, a lot of what <laughs> you said, <laughs> um, but I think a lot of it too is timing. Uh, a lot of their competitors are either on the waning, um, it, you know, years of their life cycle, yeah, okay. and or are in a weird position in the championship, or or just kind of like. Do we exist or don't we? A la BMW. Yep. Um, and a la, at the same a, time, a, a, a la CGR. Yeah, that's the right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So, you, I mean, there's there's a series of circumstances that befall them, but I mean, I think too, this is the first time they've essentially gone mid-engine with a with a 911. I think they've figured out mostly how to do that, and I mean, the Porsches were always dominant. Uh, I would say beforehand, they, I mean, there would be spouts for the Ferraris would be faster for AF Corsa, but we're not talking about that. Mm. Yeah. Um, and the Corvette is like five years old, I think. Oh, or, like nine years old now. When was the When was the C7? Okay, I'm going to do a quick Google for Corvette C7. 2014, 2015. I, I think it's earlier than that. 2013? No, uh, t- 2012 was definitely the C6, so it'll be okay. 2014. 2014. So they basically, 14. yeah. So they've extended the the 2014 GTLM car over two development cycles, basically, because you generally, yeah. generally, it's when not you build a GT second development cycle, yeah. technically right now, yeah, because yeah. when when you build a GT car, you get guaranteed three years of development cycle out of it. So that's that's what they say, at least in GT3. Yeah, and amazing that they won a championship last year, not winning pretty much oh, right. anything. Yeah, <laughs> with a really old car. So. Yeah, um, I mean, I, all the port or the Corvette fans that complain, uh, I oh, never mind. All right, <laughs> it's it's America's sports car, man. You got to oh, support man, yeah. America's sports car. Hey, watch out! That hat is uh, that cowboy hat's drooping a little bit. On you, <laughs> oh boy, I hate myself. Um. <laughs> Cool. Uh, so, where was I going with this? I'm going to talk about how awesome Lime Rock. Oh my God, Lime Rock! Right, uh, GT. I, just in general, I think GT only IMSA is the best IMSA racing that we've seen this season, and probably in seasons past. I mean, like last year, the the mix of prototypes was really, really cool, and we got some really good racing. But man, GT only racing, like the two races that we've had at C, uh, at Lime Rock and VIR, have been friggin' awesome. Like Lime Rock. The the difference in strategy there, the the Porsches deciding to two stop versus the Fords on a three stop, converging at the end with the pass for the lead made with five minutes left in the race, like that is 
a sports car fan wet dream. Like, I was on the edge of my seat the entire last hour and a half of that race going, how's this going to work? Who's going to win? What's going to happen? Ah, someone hold me. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, and then to have the Fords to come out on top of that, I, I the whole thing was fantastic. I, I don't know. I mean, the whole weekend was great. I love the pilot series. The pilot, the, the pilot sport challenge series was fantastic the day before too. So, or was it earlier that day? I think they had them both on the same day. Uh, I anyway, think, I think because it's it's uh, Long Beach and they have uh, not Long Beach. What am I saying? Lime Rock and they have a very condensed schedule. They have like everything on the Friday and the Saturday. I think it would have been that morning. Yeah. Yeah, and, but, and I mean, even the, the GTD racing was was utterly great too. Like I, I, I just was enjoying pretty much everything. Um, and I, and two, I, about halfway through, I thought the port, uh, the Porsche, like fleet was going to ride off with it, sort of again, but the way the strategy kind of befell everything that um, they didn't end up winning it, although they were right there at the end as well, like you said. So yeah, I thought it was a great race. Oh, it was it was a great race. I reckon that's up there for one of my my favorite races of the the year, actually. The the IMSA mm. race at Lime Rock, um, uh, and uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm no. just uh, you just yeah. you just you haven't enjoyed michelin pilot sport challenge oh. series man i will i will say it till till 2019 is over that is the series this year the series it has been unbelievable that series look i i want to say that i would watch it but i i'm i'm sorry i just wouldn't i'm not i'm committed to the series that i'm watching already and to add more to that yes. I, i'm already struggling <laughs> i'm already struggling watching the series that i am i'm watching so like to watch more at the moment is it's gonna be a struggle like i've still got to catch up on the elms race from silverstone because i still haven't done that and that was what a week and a half ago two weeks ago and asian lamont series is slowly knocking on the door too yeah and like i gotta be invested in that because that's coming to my local track this year so i gotta get on that and gotta understand that oh it's just there's too be, much be on that dude that yeah. series is going to be insane too. Yeah. This, you know they're going to have two different sets of LMP2 cars racing. By the way, they're going to have the old spec yeah. and, the, and new the new 2017 ones. spec yep. cars. It's, like it's oh, and the teams, the driver. Oh, I'm, we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when the Asian Mon series starts up properly. Oh, we'll, we don't we'll want to talk to about it now. No, because okay. we're going to be talking about this race at, at Lime Rock, man. <laughs> so yeah, the the strategy. At the end was awesome. The slow burn towards the finish was awesome. The battles between the Fords and the Porsches, the ba- the battles of track position between the two of them as well were awesome. And then GTD, as you mentioned, the final gap between the t- the two winners, well, first and second place in GTD, was one hundred of a second at the line at the finish line after two hours and forty minutes. One hundredth of a second. That's crazy. Crazy. I, oh, how good is that? Light Rock is just brilliant. <laughs> well, GT the right now, MC GT racing is 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 great. Mm. So <laughs> I I've had I've had very little to complain about, um, and it's been it's been nice to see other makes kind of lead the series. <laughs> like, I mean, you look at Blancpain, you look at everything else, VLN. It's kind of the usual suspects, and we might be seeing more of them enter GTD, those kind of usual suspects, uh, next year, which I'm excited about if we can land mm. some, but um, to see kind of it essentially be Acura versus Lexus versus like an occasional Mercedes versus an occasional um, Porsche. You know, Ferrari that's, yeah, or Porsche that slipped in there, like that's interesting. And, uh, you know, there's just other, you know, chassis out there that's, that's doing well and, you know, showing up uh week after week kind of with with a competitive chassis and competitive drivers so 
I mean, I, I you're you're not wrong here. The GT rounds, uh, Lime Rock especially, has been like utterly fantastic. Yeah. So, so to go through quickly, the top, I'll, I'll say the top six in, or top seven, we'll go top seven in the uh, Lime Rock race for GTD. It was Porsche, Acura, BMW, and then a pair of Porsches, Lexus, uh, Lamborghini, and they were all basically on the lead lap. Um, it was just a matter of where that lead lap fell uh, with relation to the top class finishing that some of them were lapped down. It was a crazy mix of marks at the top of the field at Lime Rock. Uh, I can't overstate how good that Lime Rock race is. I, I like, I, I, I can't, I can't overstate it. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch it because it was, as I said, the best thing about sports cars was on display, and that was different marks, different chassis, different strategies, all converging towards the finish. So good stuff from Lime Rock, but. Another event where one of the more popular teams in the paddock, the Riley uh, Riley Motorsports AMG, uh, ended up in a bit of a kerfuffle at the end of that race as well. Because they were in the mix uh, until the very latter stages where they got in a bit of a mess with the two Acuras. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. There's some, yeah, there's some, there's some bumping going on there too. Yeah. Um, and it was the yeah, it was the 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 lower placed Acura, the the one uh, many laps down, kind of getting in the way of the battle between the the top Acura, the number eighty six, which ended up finishing second, and the Riley car, and that dropped the Riley car down to seventh place, seventh place, ninth place, in fact. Yeah, that's right, man. They that that car has just had terrible luck pretty much mm. since when mid Ohio. Oh, it's been a it's been a poor season just in general. And normally the Riley car, normally Ben Keating and Jerome Blakemore, and they're in it every single race. You know, they're one of the guys you can bank on to to be at the head of the field. Not because they're necessarily going to get good BOP or if they're going to be good on strategy. It's just that Keating and Blakemore are just so incredibly consistent that you expect them to be up there. And so for them to have a season like this, it's yeah, just a bit of a weird one. They've had pace. I mean, and we'll get into some some races, you know, further on here that I've been absolutely just floored by uh, Ben's driving. I think he's been the best amateur driver I've seen this year. Ooh, um, yeah, fair enough. One hundred percent. I can't think of anybody else. I mean, obviously Heinemar Hansen. You can't you can't not include him, and obviously Lamar winners. But um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Perfetti. Perfetti's been yeah. pretty good. He's been good, but I mean, Keating technically won Le Mans too. Uh, he, did, he technically um, got discluded from Le Mans, but we'll, we'll talk. Okay. Well, he unofficially, <laughs> he unofficially. Yeah, no. Uh, from a pure driving standpoint, I was incredibly impressed with Keating's last stint at Le Mans. That was ridiculous, and he should yeah. be lauded for everything with that. Yeah, he's he's almost a pro level in my opinion. Like he's ve- he's very close. He's he's almost got it because some of the other races he was faster uh, in his amp stint than some of the pro drivers were in theirs. Like it was. I'm I'm just like, dude, you're driving fantastic right yeah, now. Man. Right. What is going on? Yeah, which is again why it's so surprising that they've had such a terrible season. Uh, with you know getting taken out at Watkins Glen, getting uh involved in a kerfuffle at Lime Rock, and I even think that they had a problem at Road America as well, where yeah, their suspension um collapsed on them in the first twenty minutes of the race, and they didn't get out again for that race. So they've had a, a lot of uh. Yeah, a lot of a lot of problems this season, but they finally came through for a win at VIR, and that was a cracking race as well. Because uh, in that race, 
it was whereabouts was it? It was Keating from the Feinbacher Trent Hinman car less than a, a half a second. Then further, uh, another tenth further back was the Ferrari car, and then a half a second further back, then the park place car another two tenths so it was like a group of five of them basically line astern for the last 20 minutes of that race and it was just an awesome race uh, again gt gt imsa best imsa <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty good right now man i mean it's been good for for i would say years now but it's 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 kind of writing a new chapter this year and uh, uh i mean uh, let's see i mean even even if you look at gtd um the Meyer Shank racing, that whole deal, <clears throat> they've they've pretty much just swam immediately as soon as they, they you know went into mm. GTD into GT racing again. With that, and the yeah. new right and the new Lexus team too, um, they've done a completely amazing job. You know, pretty much picking up right where the previous one left off. So yeah, who, who have you been your standouts in GTD this season? Because I can think of a few a few names. I reckon uh, the first one off the rank is the Meyer Shank guys. Uh, because they were in the championship hunt last year with the car that wasn't a full championship entry, but then became a full championship entry <laughs> with the with the Catherine Leg and oh, who was the other driver in that car? But they've done Farnbach? the other no Farnbacher no no that could have been it, it could have been Hinman because because Farnbacher and Hinman are the they had the championship leaders this season so far. Yeah, uh, Hinman and Farnbach are, are currently the championship leaders in GTD this season, and by a fair way as well. So they are looking to be the guys to to watch for. Well, they've certainly done a great job this season. Who else uh, has? Parente, was it? I think. Ah, uh, yes, that was right. Yeah. So they'd probably been one of my uh, w- one of the picks for the car of the season or team of the season. Who else do you reckon is up there in the mix for uh, GTD team of the season? Oof. Uh, I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be tough. I mean, obviously, uh, Ben Keating is 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 great as a personal, you know, as a driver standpoint. But um, I don't know. I think the uh, where we sit kind of right now, I'd probably have to lean on some of the Lexus, mm. one of those guys. Um, and they've done a really good job. Uh, probably like fourteen. <laughs> the, four, the fourteen car, yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, they've done well. I mean, see, and that, that's the thing. So, if I start thinking about it, I like the nine. So, Path uh, Motorsports, yeah, have done really well. Path have come on crazy good. good <clears throat> pardon me, in the last half of the season, uh, they had Turn, like <clears throat> Turner Two has been really consistent as well. Like, I feel like both of them have been right there. Hmm. So if you, if you want to look at the championship, it's actually the 86 from Faf in second, one point down is Turner, and then it's the number 12, Ainvassa Sullivan. So that's how tight it is at the top of, of GTD um, in terms of those guys. And the Turner Motorsport thing kind of surprises me because I can't think off the top of my head of any race where they've been exceptionally good. Uh, but then I'll look a bit deeper, and, you know, they had a second at Watkins Glen. They won... CTMP, they was third at Lime Rock, third at Road America, and so they're definitely, definitely in the mix uh, in a lot mm-hmm. of these races, and uh, like that's just completely snuck under the radar for me. Yeah, I mean we have a huge championship fight coming up, and we have two more rounds, so <laughs> yes, um, we it do should have... be pretty exciting. For me, I think 
Um, I, I'm going to say Path. They've really surprised me in the, in the second half of the season. The second half of the season, they've just kind of come out of nowhere, which has been kind of crazy. Uh, that might be, in some respects, a little to do with getting some of the actual factory Porsche guys on board, like the Dennis Olsons, the Matt Campbells, that, you know, that might help. But still, uh, at the I mean, end of the day, <laughs> you got to execute, and they have been. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, uh, it doesn't hurt to have those kind of guys driving no, the form. But, no, it doesn't. Know, you know... Well, there's no Patty Long. You can't replace Patty Long, now, can you? So no, um, no. Well, because no. Long's with Wright Motorsports now. Him and Nielsen have been okay-ish. Yeah, uh, they, I've I've kind of expected more from them. They kind yeah. of they have not done much this year. Yeah, that's I will agree with that. Yeah, a hundred percent. But yeah, on the other hand, Path has been and like the car looks cool as well. And I'm just yeah, the car looks cool. Oh yeah, the yeah oh, the uh, the the checkers the, the Canadian livery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> Yeah, so I reckon because yeah, because in GTD the race has been just incredibly tight. The only problem I have with GTD is that we don't get to see enough of it uh, when it's mixed in with the the prototypes and the GT Le Mans cars. You just kind of you, you miss out in the GTD battle. It kind of flies under the radar. Yeah, I mean sometimes uh, I mean the camera camera work too, but they've been pretty good the last few rounds of covering. Uh, if there's been a tight battle, even for second or third, um, they've been managing to to make sure that there's a there's a eyeball somewhere on that battle and yeah. to replay it so that's been better but yeah i mean it's it's tough because gtd is probably going to be the, the closest category where you're going to find racing at the end of the race and unfortunately it's at the lowest total you know yeah. lowest spot of the totem pole so yeah. it's it, it's getting enough i think that that it gets should it probably get more yeah i probably should get more but i'm okay with it i'm you're okay okay, with it. okay. Uh, if yeah, you're okay, okay with it i'm okay, okay. With it. Cool. Okay, well, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> um, we should talk about the race at Road America. This is one of the races that you are especially in love with because Road America was your local track for a long time. Um, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. Were you able to get out there this year for the IMSA race? Uh, I was not. I was there in oh. spirit. Uh, so I occupied the... Uh, area of the track but i wasn't there physically so, uh, <laughs> yeah yeah so what, what was your impressions from the the imsa race because from from me it kind of just was steady there wasn't really anything that was necessarily super surprising there wasn't necessarily anything that like through threw me through a loop that that i had to question it was just the the, the race kind of built towards uh a, a again an acura versus mazda battle uh which in the end was pretty tight Real tight, very close. <clears throat> um, was there a late, late uh, full course yellow? I think there might have been. Oh, I'm not sure. I don't have any. I don't have a late full course yellow in my notes. Um, okay. But I remember that there was a bit of blocking, a bit of touching, a bit of a bit of traffic, a little bit of squeaky bum moments in that last little stint between the number 55 and the number seven, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number six, number six oh, and number yeah, seven. Yeah. yeah. Where, where, okay. I, I, in my personal, private, personal opinion, hashtag me personally, I think that there was a definite block from the 55, uh, on the, the Acura that they were fighting at turn five on the last lap. And I didn't enjoy that part of it. I, I know it's hard, very, very hard to, to do a penalty for a last lap defensive move like that, but I think it was a, I think it was a block and I was surprised that they didn't take like a five second penalty or something for that. 
do you want to know my thoughts or do you do do, do we just want to assume what what i'm going to say which is what i'm going to say i'm going to assume you're going to say yeah racing incident yeah uh, it's a racing incident. <laughs> yeah yeah i knew it i knew it <laughs> yeah I, I, I mean it, yes he did he definitely did throw a block and i'm like looking at it right now but um yes that that would i would definitely consider that a block but i mean we're getting to this weird kind of philosophical point in motorsport where we're like deciding what moving under braking is because people can do that now because technology. Yeah. So before it was kind of like, you didn't do that because you just crashed yourself. Now everybody can just essentially block yeah. brake and like still make the corner at that full song. So yes, in one way I can see penalizing, but another way I can see where it's like, well, if you just if you just make somebody do something potentially bad, you can just get a penalty and win it anyway. So like, I'd rather see him um yeah, like fine. That's un- that's not very gentlemanlike, but like you could still pass him. You don't have to like I, I don't know, just winning the race because the guy was not gentlemanly but still was ahead of you is still kind of like I don't know, if I was racing, I wouldn't consider that a win, so yeah, but you racing incident. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> and and yeah, that was that was you know very much my my thought as well. I was like, I'll keep track of this because I'm not sure if I if I was in race control, I would uh, I would be thinking about a penalty. But it's I'm not in race control and good because I'd be an awful steward. <laughs> uh, you get a penalty, dude. dude yeah, there'd yeah. be so many drive-throughs, man. You Everybody get a penalty. You get a penalty. Everyone gets a penalty. Um. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know the 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 Road America race. As I said, it kind of just plodded along, so I don't really have too much to say about it. It was yeah, basically what I expected. Uh, you know, Acker and Mazda leading and fighting, uh, and you know, GT being madness. But yeah, that's go um go watch the Mitchell Pilot Sport Challenge Series at this track at this race. That watch one, it. watch it. Yeah, that one I did watch, and I will one hundred percent back that up. Definitely watch. That was not. Th- that was abssolutely <laughs> naughty. Yeah, bonkers, dude. Watch NPC in that track. Got that race. Yeah. Just... Do we want to spoil it? Do we want to spoil the ending? If you haven't seen the ending, I mean, to us... how have how have people not seen that that race? That's but, true. I yeah. Mean, don't spoil. It. Let's just not spoil the ending. But it's just the from start to literal finish. That race had everything in it. It and, was um, nuts. Yeah, I can't. I can't. State if you, enough. If you only watch one Michelin Pilot Challenge race this season, watch yes. the watch the one from Road America. Yep. yep. There you go. 100%. I, I completely condone that. All right. 100%. Cool. So, I guess that leaves us with what's next? What's next for IMSA? We've got two rounds left in the series. Uh, we've got a race at Laguna Seca at the, at the time of recording. That's this weekend. Um, so, that's the... I think that's the 14th and 15th of September. Uh, and then... In the first week of October is Road Atlanta. First week of October? Second week of October? Could be. Oh, could uh, be. Aren't, aren't you second going? Week. Isn't that like the one race you never miss? <laughs> I, I, well, yeah, that's well, Sebring I don't miss. Oh, this yeah, one, I, I don't think I've missed this one since I went here, since I started. So I want to keep this streak going. But yeah, it's the second weekend of October. Second weekend yeah. of October. So two, October round, two rounds left for IMSA. Uh, what are we what are we expecting from the last two rounds? We've got a sprint race at Laguna Seca, which wraps up the sprint championship, and we have the last round of the 
NEC, NA, whatever North it's American called Endurance nowadays. Cup, NA, yeah. NAEC. Yeah, I, I, yeah, whatever it's called nowadays. Um, at Petit Le Mans, uh, what what's going to happen, Cookie? Put your put your wizard hat on and look into your crystal globe and tell me what's going to happen. Uh, Porsches will punt at least one GTLM <laughs> car uh, in the next two races. Wow. Just one. I, I'm I'm calling it. Well. You, the Porsche aficionado, yourself forgot to at least congratulate them on their cha- on their GTLM manufacturers championship. Yeah, well, that was I was going to bring that up. I was going to bring that up. Oh, okay, oh, okay, okay, okay. So fair enough, fair enough. So mm-hmm. gloves, they they literally said themselves about each other's you know racing each other that the gloves are coming off. So I have no doubt there will be some form of contact because the Porsche drivers are just going to be like, I'm going to win everything. So um, <laughs> that will happen. I think Mazda will win again. Um and will they yeah, win at Petite? I, will they win at Petite? Yes, I say they win at Petite, and then they're gonna like crash out in the first two hours. But yeah, keep I'll in say mind they that they haven't gone through a endurance race longer than six hours without their engine blowing up. They're gonna do it this time. They're gonna do it this time. You calling I it said now? That, like I, I think I've said that like I, I'm pretty sure I've said that six times. You, you've said that every time. single race this season, but yeah, they're gonna do it I've, this time. Well, they did at Watkins, so I mean, they uh, made it six yeah. hours. Yeah, but like, that's only because the engine had extra cooling because the freaking engine cover peeled off. Well, they had another, they had another one that was like trying to overtake him at like the last two laps. Yeah, so yeah, 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 got two, yeah. They still got two bowls in the chamber, buddy. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. Dave, okay. I'm not. I don't know if I'm ever going to call like say that they're going to win the Rolex Twenty Four, man. Like, I think they've they have they've soured me completely on that. I don't I don't know if I'll pick them. But on, a, on an eight-hour race, shoot, come on, man, or ten hours? Ten-hour race, come yeah. On. Let's go. Let's do it. Cool. I think it's. I'm thinking it's Bahrain or something. Yeah. Oh well. I mean, I'm excited for that one because eight-hour oh. race at Bahrain would be awesome. Uh, I I don't think they can. I think it will be Acura uh, taking the wins at the last two rounds. The thing is with the Acuras, though, it's always been one or the other. They've never both been in the fight to the very end. Whereas with the Mazdas, they've kind of both been there. Um. So I. I'm going to say the the six the six takes petite, and I don't know what's going to happen at Laguna for the GTLM class. Uh, sorry, the the P class. Well, I mean, well, <laughs> kerfuffle, kerfuffle, kerfuffle. But so then that would be Acura winning the uh, DPI teams championship. Then, ooh, I'm not sure. I am not sure. Well, that, well, I mean, if they're winning both, then yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, because they're they're at the head of the field, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I guess that is. I guess that is. I guess Dan Cameron and Juan Pablo Montoya are going to win the championship. Oh, man. Juan Montoya winning winning that, dude. You, I wonder how many donuts and burgers that man will eat after. Uh... <laughs> dude, I would join him. Are you kidding me, though? I would I would, I would. would definitely get in a foodie contest with Juan Montoya. I think he would I think he would dominate me. And then he'd probably <laughs> kick, my, kick my ass because I'd be suddenly making fun of it for something. Yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> brutal. I mean, that that, <laughs> that does accurate. sound like a good time, though. That does sound like a good time. <laughs> I know. I would like to get my head kicked in. Large pots of food with them. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, what about Cadillac? Are we expecting anything from Cadillac in the last two races? Um, I'm expecting Flippy, Nazar, and People Durante to be the best of of the Cadillacs. They are. They are currently the best place Cadillac. Yes, they are the only car to make it on. Only one of the Cadillacs to make it above either the Acuras or the um, Mazdas in the last few rounds of the season. So they have taken a trio of fourths, I think, in the last few races. So. Yeah, I, I mean, they've been consistent, but that's not going to win it this this year. You got to you got to start winning some races. Yeah, especially the last two of the two of the year here. 
Yeah, so, uh, mm, yeah, I, I I don't see either Laguna Seca or uh, or Road Atlanta being Cadillac tracks. So, unless, unless the BOP balance that they've got is so far out of proportion that they are able to win just willy-nilly, then I don't, yeah, I don't think that they're going to be able to be in the fight, unfortunately, which probably means that the wheel and engineering car might actually lose second place in the championship. Because it is only a five-point gap between them and... Oh, sorry, it's a ten-point gap between them and Mazda Team Yost. So, it'll be close. It'll be close. Yeah. You really can't have a mistake here, mechanical or otherwise, mm. last two So, it'll be interesting to see if that happens. I, I mean, last year, Laguna Seca was a bloodbath for a lot of championship contenders. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. We'll see if that happens again. Oh, uh, please don't. I'd rather... i rather like my IMSA racing without a 45-minute caution period to start the race, thanks. Uh, our USCR uh, apparently put up some voodoo uh, to try to dissuade Porsche from winning. <laughs> a picture of a crash Porsche on the oh, sidebar. No. So. Brutal. <laughs> no, no thanks. I, I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised, actually, now that you mentioned it, if the Porsche drivers run into each other. Like, they're just racing that hard within the team that they just run into each other. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Yeah. I mean, they they were they were racing pretty hard as it was uh, at VIR. Much to the chagrin of everybody who knew that they had a they had a team's championship to win if they if they finished one two. So well, no, the thing is that VIR well they did end up finishing one two. Um, but I think yeah, well they've wrapped up the the team's championship now. Um, because the the way that IMSA works is stupid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, okay, yeah. I'm, uh, let me look up that stupid. Yeah. Ah, okay. Here it is. The rule book stupid. <clears throat> Yeah, the rule book is stupid. Um, the thing is with the the IMSA championship though is that you get points for starting races. So as long as they start at um, at WeatherTech, as long as one of them starts at uh, at the at Laguna Seca, they win the manufacturers championship and I think the teams championship as well. So yeah, they they basically won the championship and I, I like I don't like the way that the IMSA point system works. It annoys the hell out of me. But that's what's gonna happen. On a related note, I think we're in a similar situation with GTD. So as long as the Acura uh, number 86 starts the race, I think they win the championship because they've got a 30-something point lead at the moment. 37-point lead at the moment. So yeah, as long as they start the next race, they win the championship. I think. Yeah, that's that's like a NASCAR thing. I don't know if IMSA was doing that before, but uh, that's definitely like a NASCAR thing. Yeah. I remember, that, I remember that being a thing where you're like, yeah, just start. You're good. You're yeah, like, the start right, and park that. thing. What about 2020? What's happening with IMSA next year? Because we're seeing at the moment, we're seeing a split between the sprint championship and the endurance championship. And then there's the overall championship for IMSA. Um, P2 class, what's going to happen to P2 class? Like, honestly, I don't know why it even exists anymore. DPI, I do want to have a chat about DPI. I think now is going to be the time to chat about DPI. Uh, and then GTLM as well is also going to go through a bunch of changes. So where do you want to start, Cookie? Um, the lack of anything really major going on besides the, a new GTLM car, I guess. <laughs> like, I don't know. I thought I thought that was, uh, I mean, much to, to people's, I, I guess, dismay is that we're not really seeing any additional uh, DPI entrance. There might be some LMP2 um additional entries for nac rounds but nothing crazy at the moment looking for full-time entries but again well who knows um then gtlm really nothing on that horizon um beyond the new corvette 
and well, then uh, potential WRT entry for GTD. That'll be cool. I, I am fully behind WRT for GTD. Um, the thing is, in GTLM, what's happening with the BMWs? What's happening with the Fords? And are, is the C8 going to debut at Daytona? C8 will debut at Daytona. BMW will probably be there. Ford is out. Wow. Okay. Uh, are, we, are we sure on the BMW? I would assume so. I, I, I mean, again, but I would, I, w- I would also assume that they would you know, they wouldn't pull out of a series after one season. So I, yeah. I, I generally, they're so wild card that, but it, it would just, it would make so little sense, so little sense for them to just pack everything up and just to go home. I, I, I don't, I don't understand it. Like they would be around for two years and then they would be gone mm. after spending how much and, you know, and, and earning wasting. What? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they made a GTE or a GT3 GTE M6 <laughs> that did essentially nothing until the twilight years of GT3, like tenure, which they may basically made a GT3 car. And then they made a boat for GTLM or GTE pro or GTE. I said, I should say, yeah, and it has done nothing. So like I, and then I heard too that they're waiting. They might be doing a like going back on the Z model, like going on for Z five or oh, whatever really? for their GT three model because they're they're done doing big large coupes, which I agree with. But then, do you just nix you know the current M eight? Yeah, like what what happens with that? So so for context, BMW's results in IMSA this season: a win at Daytona in that massively rain affected race, which like anyone could have won. Um, and second place at CTMP, they are the only notable results for the MA this season. That's deplorable in terms of uh, competitiveness. And this is meant to be a BOP class, right? So they should t- apparently be at the same level of performance as all the other cars, right? Uh, yeah, yes. Um uh... And again, this just goes back to the the LMP2 BOP issue, which is um, why is everybody in a Reka? Well, um, because it's the the best car. Okay, well, I see a Ligier, you know, out qualifying this, and I see a Delara outpacing this. Why is that? Well, because that car over a single lap, single stint, whatever, can last that long, but over an entire course of a race, the Eureka can't. Or yeah, the Eureka Eureka does Those, better. Yeah. Same as the opposite with BMW. It has no pace <laughs> for lack of a better term and doesn't show it after long stints. It doesn't show it in intermittent uh, weather. It doesn't show it in transitioning track conditions. It doesn't show it at night. I, I, I don't know. Like um, they haven't really, I, I feel like hit any ceiling that I can see um, whenever they're showing those cars. It doesn't look like they're being overdriven to be honest. Um, they look everything looks pretty neutral on those cars. Is it just a pace and BOP? Like I, I have no idea what's yeah. going on with those cars. So Yeah. I, I still think they're gonna be around next season though. I don't see why they wouldn't be. Oh, it's gonna it's gonna be I don't know. Like we with them pulling out of WC, like as you said, they're a total wild card. No one knows what they're gonna do with that that M eight chassis now. Um so I I remain optimistic, but not hopeful that the BMW is going to be here next year, which means that we could legitimately have a four-car GTLM class next year. Like, if we if we just have Porsche and Corvette, and Ford, uh, Ford disappear and they don't run as a privateer in GTLM, or if a BMW RLL disappear because they don't want to run the M8, and if Reese don't come back, we could just we could just have four cars. I mean, maybe, yeah. I... I just think that we'll see. I don't think Rizzi's completely done. Although, I mean, I just feel like they're 
they they're best suited just fielding GTD entries for people if they need to at this point because they're not even you know they're are they showing up for uh, did they even show up for Watkins Glen? No, they only raced. They have only raced at Daytona this year. Yeah, so I mean they're not even racing for any championship. They're just kind of going up. So, but yeah, I mean yeah, we are in a we are in a prospect where it could just be Porsche versus Corvette, where it's just the factory efforts. Now we've seen this before. And if people are ALMS fans that they say they are, uh, they would remember the ridiculous battles between Corvette and Aston Martin, um, as well as Corvette and Flying Lizard. In so that um, that's in GT one and then GT GT two. We could actually GT2. see uh, there is a non-zero chance of possibly seeing Aston Martin in the GTLM class. Um, there has been apparently some level of interest in north america of getting the gtlm astons over so that's a possibility um but as far as uh i've heard nothing concrete so yeah there's there's that but yeah you can still you can still have an interesting class battle with four cars it's just uh yeah yeah. oh yeah for sure yeah i mean porsche toyota uh Mm. (laughs) you know whatever However you want to fill in the gaps there, it's we've got two factory outfits that all have been here for a while that know how to win 10 times over. So um, letting them, them battle themselves, potentially, sure, it's not as exciting as having three more makes battling simultaneously, but it's going to be a great race regardless, and we're yeah. going to be watching them race um, for sure. Yeah. So. What about uh, DPI? Do, what do we want to... I, I kind of want to have a discussion about DPI because I think it's, uh, as I said at the top of the show, uh, there is more problems under the surface than it, there might be uh, on face value. We're not hearing of any potential new entries in DPI. Uh, there's really only been one mark that's sold customer entries, and that's uh, Cadillac. We've lost the Mazda. No, sorry, not the Mazda. The Nissan now from the uh, from the lineup with Core course bennett's retiring now is is that what i heard right yeah core's done yeah as of right now they are officially kaput yeah and uh yeah so we're a hundred percent losing a manufacturer from dpi uh there's no uh p2 cars aren't in the class anymore um and so it's now gonna be cadillac mazda and acura of which only cadillac are selling cars uh how do we feel about that um it's it's definitely newsworthy like i had said earlier it's it's not something that we i think we can just ignore and go like okay well yeah that's that's you know we we already have enough we don't need anymore um i mean that's never been the case in previous years we've always you know held there's even after the roar there's been rumors of entries here or there so for us to essentially confidently go the overall class for the rolex 24 in four months or five months time is going to be this um, is a little bit rare um, mm. given that you know that race itself, and usually there's a lot of entries to try to win that overall. So, yeah, um, yeah I think it speaks to the maturity of the regulations. Maybe the series itself is that um, you know it's not this wild west of okay, let's see what we can get, let's see what we can get. So you just have a pouring in of different ideas and strategies to win a new thing. Um, there's kind of a proven way to do it, which is a pretty standard sports car way to do things, yep. which you can see in the way that it is. So, yeah, I mean, my comments, I guess, are that I would love to see more makes, but that's not going to happen. 
um, I am dis I'm I'm I my disappointment is immeasurable <laughs> immeasurable <laughs> I should say flood with the uh, the LMP two DPI split I just yeah that that was a, such a unique aspect to this series and what core was able to do was highlight something that could have absolutely galvanized a lot more interest and competition from a lot more different people and it wasn't just core either it wasn't just core it was also uh jdc miller as well they were they took wins at road america i think as well they took no they they grabbed watkins glen they won a nac Uh, round last year core core won at watkins glen um because they no no, that was JDC. Are you sure? JDC, the Red, Red, Red Dragon won at uh, at Watkins Glen, baby. Oh yeah, I know. What, I know when Red Dragon won. Uh, the core one at uh, Road American ran out of gas, trying to get back to the pits. Are you sure? They, uh, they fueled, yeah, they okay. Dry, dude. Oh, either yeah, either dude, way, yeah, I'll, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll believe you. I'll suspend. I'll, sus- uh, bleh, bleh, bleh. I'll suspend my belief because I believe they'll the other way around. But I'll believe you. Um, but that's way. what parody is. Yeah, that's that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's right. All right. So that that's the the issue that I've had with. DPI this season. It it feels like it's been filtered down and sort of you you only you only have now like we've been talking about it a, a bunch of times this episode. It really just feels like Acura versus Mazda. Uh and the the beauty of the prototype class last year was you had this crazy mix of like Cadillac would be strong, no Mazda would be strong, no Acura would be strong, no the P2s would be strong and you had this this brilliant mm-hmm. mix of any of eight or nine cars being able to challenge for the win in the latter stages of a race, the the split that they put in between the P2s and the DPIs is, uh, yeah, it's kind of broken that parity. And it means that, you know, for, for the guys like JDC Miller for Core Autosports, they had to step into DPIs to be competitive. And they just weren't. They just weren't competitive. At no stage this season was I ever thinking that a JDC Miller or a Core Autosports win was on the cards. And I think that was a loss. I think that was a decision made by the series to appeal, the, uh, appeal to the manufacturers that has not been beneficial for the racing product of the series. Now, I'm sure the manufacturers are very happy that their cars are the only ones now with a chance of winning and that their factory teams are the only ones with a chance of winning. But as a race fan and as a fan of the racing product of IMSA last year, I think they made the wrong decision. And it's been shown this season that you must be in a manufacturer car, a factory-backed car, to be successful. And honestly the way that that has worked out has significantly reduced my interest in IMSA this season. I mean, I'm, I, I won't fault you at all. I mean, I, I won't um, because you're, you're, you're not wrong. Um, I think there is, I, how much are we, are we potentially overanalyzing this to the point where that, uh, I mean, it's that's not basically as, our shtick really. <laughs> I mean, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We take, we take way too, too big a swings at uh, too small of, uh, mm. of minute changes, but no, I mean, uh, I, I, this is exactly kind of what what I think everybody thought was going to happen when when this was announced was that uh, the the pace difference um, and and what you could do with such variance of of BOP chassis and what and what different teams and cars can do created an avenue where you had more parity naturally because you just you had to you had to include so many different vehicles and that is too why I think we need to be looking a lot into, and that's why a lot of car, or 
uh, I would say factory teams are looking into hypercar regs as yeah. well is because the canvas is so broad for EOT and BOP and success ballast and all this to fit into that you're going to have swings of BOP that are going to benefit completely random teams that you did not expect because it's just tough. And um, yeah, and, and that randomness, I think, is what annoyed Acura or Penske, and it, what, it's what's annoyed, I think, Cadillac and those other guys where they were like, well, you know, well, we could spend X amount and they could spend this and they get to win and we don't because it's based, you know, on something that we can't really Effect, play yeah. around. Yeah, and, and try to to defeat you know there can be just weekends where we just show up and there's nothing we can do we're never going to win i sympathize with that but man i mean yeah i would say on on the excitement level is so much more subdued even with a mazda you know three three peat um this year than it was last year i was so excited last year last year was i I loved imsa last year i reckon it was top two championships to watch oh yeah top two Top two. It's a pretty tight yeah, competition. Com- pretty tight competition between ELMS and also the V8 Supercars. V8 Supercars in Australia last year was just ridiculous from a championship perspective. From a racing perspective, it was kind of meh. Uh, well, kind of meh is a bit unkind. It built to a very climactic finish is what I'll say. Um, but the the thing about IMSA last year, the thing about the wins that the P2 cars took last year was that they were all so exciting. Like... The, the the race at Road America, there was like five cars in with a chance on the last lap, and it was what a dash to the line. It was a it was a whole shot uh, to the line out of the last corner. That was the win at C at not CTMP. Um, although that I think that was also a P two winner at uh Ro- Let me try that again. Watkins Glen. That was the one I was thinking of. It was like again a last ten minute dash after a safety car where I think it was. It was either the Red Dragon or Core Auto Sports. I honestly can't remember. They overtook like five cars in the last stint of the race to take the win. Like, that was terrifyingly exciting stuff. And it never felt like the DPI cars were out of contention. But they they made that decision and it's the, the series has suffered for it. And, you know, as much as you love to say, hey, we've got factory teams in IMSA, look at this, it's kind of crazy that we've got Acura and we've got Mazda and we've got Cadillac. It's really being propped up by you know Penske and Yoast and they'd be racing in something somewhere anyway so it's it kind of feels like to me at least as an outsider to the series looking into it it feels like while it's it feels like everything's trying to be made to look okay uh but it is as I said less okay when you start looking into things I will be very interested to see the developments for the DPI 2.0 upgrade thing, whatever they're going to do with it, whether or not they start to look at new technologies or whether they move from the LMP2 platform and who is interested in entering that. Um, because if the way that the way that IMS is going, I hope that they're... Again, this is the same with the WC. I hope that there's interest generated because it kind of looks a bit stale to me to me like this isn't a a a shot at the series or anything it's just my personal only me talking about this privately hashtag me personally hashtag me personally not privately because i'm broadcasting out to a public audience but you know i i feel the imsa product is stale and it's only taken three seasons to get to that point and that's kind of worrying 
whereas for the WEC, when I was uh, like before the implosion of the the hybrid regs, I didn't feel that the series had gotten stale at any point um, from my time watching from 2014 to the 2017 season. You know, that was four solid years where I was excited for every single race, and it was only when Porsche left and it was just Toyota versus some privateers that it started to get a bit worrying. And I think that I think that sentiment is shared by everyone uh in terms of the wec but for me imsa at the moment at the top class feels stale yeah i mean i i don't know if i'll go you know that i'm not gonna say that's far but i mean i i don't know if i'd say it in that way but i would say that um imsa has for a lack of a better term it has kind of gone more lmp1 or wc with its with its categories yeah and it's it's kind of more apparent now, if you look at it, that it's very much LMP light um, when it comes to DPI, and that you kind of have a almost a pecking order with pretty mainstay factory teams, and then a cast of privateer, you know, um, available chassis to buy. So they're going to race in that that class. It's, it, it does kind of feel like like pre audi peugeot kind of deal or like even during that where you had uh a pescarolo's kind of fighting with you know some of the other ones arecas that kind of stuff so from that aspect it that's kind of what it reminds me of and unfortunately like they're not the first to do this and they're not the main guys that do that kind of racing that's wc and that's europe that's yeah. a that's aco style imsa is more like a cheaper a much cheaper product but cheaper enough that it could be activated by having lots of grids i mean yeah. grand am that's literally their entire heritage was making crazy stupid looking cars with tube frames well beyond when they shouldn't have because it was super cheap and it yeah. grabbed a bunch of people to race for. yeah and then when they made the the upgrade to the dpi platform where they had uh sorry the dp versus lmp2 platform the upgrade package to make the cars competitive with lmp2s was more cost more than an lmp2 car so yeah look into that what you will uh just a a quick little bit of research I've done here. The best result for a privateer car in the DPI category, so not a Mazda Team Yost or Acura Team Penske or the the AXR or um, Wayne Taylor Racing Cadillacs. The best result for JDC Miller or Junkers or Core Autosports was a fourth place, and they that was the core car at Daytona, again, in the crazy rain-afflicted race, and at the Belle Isle race at Detroit, which was a mess, we'll put it that way, um, in the latter stages. But, you know, no podiums for the privateer cars. Yeah, it feels... Yeah, as you said, you put it perfectly well. It feels like IMSA's trending more towards an ACO-style, manufacturer-driven... I don't want to say monopoly... But, you know, it doesn't feel like the privateers have a chance. And one of the things I loved about IMSA last season and, you know, in the since the merger has been, it always kind of felt that the privateers had a chance, you know, except for that first season where the balance was just broken. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to talk about uh, with regards to IMSA? No, um, it's been, uh, I think it's been a memorable season so far uh, with obviously Mazda and Acura doing what they need to do. Um, and I, th- I think so far they've done they've done a pretty tasteful job with the, with the 50 year celebrations, that kind of stuff. So I don't know, looking forward to the final two rounds. There should be a lot of championship left to be decided for some of these classes, even though Porsche likes to clean everything up early. Yeah, it's good times. And Porsche. Good times, good times. <laughs> but uh, 
No, I think the last two rounds will be really, really exciting. I, I definitely think this is going to be a Cadillac buff that will help them. And uh, maybe the last Fingers two crossed. rounds will, will kind of change change your and I's outlook of this season. Because uh, Mitchell and Pilot Sport Challenge or Cup Series, dude, that is that is going to blow imps out of the water if this finishes the way it is. Because that series has been lights out since the yeah. beginning. So, but yeah, I uh, I've, I mean, I've enjoyed this season. I, I've, I think last year was better. Maybe even 2017, too, was more interesting just from the new chassis and mm. whatever but i don't know i Fun i enjoyed story. last season i enjoyed last season last season was like peak imsa last season was everything i wanted imsa to be and then more this season has just kind of been for me Definitely. again hashtag me personally it's just be, sorry for smacking my mic there it's just kind of been a bit meh yeah well we had a 17 hour daytona 24 hour race too so that didn't that yeah. didn't start us off well that's so. true that's true and then a uh, rain affected uh sebring 12 hours as well hey brian till feel better man we're, uh, we're all pulling yes. for him. Big, big fan of announcers, and I grew up listening to him. So hopefully yep. he's uh he gets better soon. Yeah, and as well, uh, from an Australian perspective, Lee Diffie calling the last two races of the series on NBC. Hell yeah, I'm excited for that. Because um, <laughs> I remember as a freaking six or seven year old, Lee Diffie calling the Bathurst 1000 in Australia. So his voice is very nostalgic for motorsports for me. And finally, uh, just a quick thing on our last episode, the Sports Cars Explained Aerodynamics episode. That actually topped 500 downloads, which has blown me away. So thank you very much for enjoying that. Um, Because of that, I'm going to try and wrangle up some more. So again, I'll say if you have some expertise in something in sports cars, uh, whether that be sports car design or uh, mechanics or strategy or blah, 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 blah. If you're involved somehow in sports cars and you've got some expertise uh, and you want to be involved in an episode, get in contact with me because, damn, that was fun and that was awesome. And it seems that it's got a lot of traction. So I'd love to do it again. And if you've got some expertise, yeah, get in contact. It'd be great to have you on. And I think that brings us to the end of this catch-up. I, I know we kind of wish wish-washed over uh, the in-depth stories of all the racing but it's been like it's been six rounds <laughs> we had to do something oh yeah yep. yeah i mean we'll i i i think what we'll try to do is maybe do like a episode maybe before petite if not then we'll obviously cover the last two rounds but i i would like to try to get one up before petite is and we'll recap laguna and talk about yes. what we're doing so, there, so so the plan at this stage is next week We'll do a catch-up on the two LMS races and the WC race. So it'll be a, uh, yeah, so it'll be an ELM, ELMS WC race, uh, yeah, race recaps. Then from there, should have enough time to do Laguna Seca preview, uh, the final round of the season at Petite, and uh, also preview the next round of the WC at Fuji. So that's the plan. Now, whether or not the plan goes to plan is another thing but that's the plan so <laughs> well I'll, I'll plan on planning and oh, playing stop, out stop memeing on me saying the same word anyway oh sorry okay that's it that's it I'm done I'm going back to bed because my <laughs> voice is sore and I want to cough so thank you very much for listening <laughs> thank you very Asian much Austin series. for joining me and, and we'll have to preview Asian ones here. oh god damn it uh, have a good one guys Gazoo. Peace out. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Beautiful. Ooh.
Or, or my oh. good mate here, Cookie oh. Monster. Oh yeah, there oh, you go. Oh yeah, yeah. Here, here I am with my good mate, Cookie Monster uh, FL, also nah, known as. Good Good Also known as. Gonna go ahead and visit Adelaide. <laughs> oh boy, that was awful. Oh, we're gonna have uh, fun. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh god, don't make me laugh like that. I might die. Uh, yes, as long as you smash your fist in your chest repeatedly, um, there you go. <laughs>